0: Welcome to another episode of Poetry Says Everybody, my name is Alice, thank you so much for downloading this one and listening in. I do say this a lot when I am introducing a new interview episode, but I actually think this might be one of my favourite interviews that I get to share with you today. I spoke with Joel Dean um, back in September, I think it was, and I think this might be one of my most honest conversations with a poet that I've managed to have here. And I think that's a really valuable thing. Uh, I think honesty can be a little bit hard to come by when you are a creative person working in a field um, where there's a sense of of scarcity and competition. Um, But Joel is incredibly generous in this chat. And I think we both open up a lot about what it is like to be a person who is driven to write poetry. Um, As well as being very honest, it's quite an explicit chat. There's quite a bit of swearing. So if you are listening in the car with kids on the way to school, maybe save this one for later. Um, Just a heads up there. So I first heard about Joel through Maggie Ball's uh, fantastic podcast. She interviewed uh, Joel on the compulsive reader um, a couple of years ago now i think about his book year of the wasp and year of the wasp was written after joel had a stroke at the age of 43 and it is a wonderful wonderful book and a book that was a great comfort to me um a little bit over a year ago now when i was back in canberra uh, spending some time with my dad who just had a double knee replacement operation I managed to find the book down at my local shopping mall in Canberra, Woden Plaza, where I spent many, many hours as a child and teenager, and yeah, it took the book with me back to the Canberra Hospital, sitting in Dad's room there, and just having the experience of being in a hospital um, presented on the page in the way that Joel does in that book was incredibly comforting to me. So... Right off the bat, it was so great to be able to talk to Joel about that experience and to thank him for that. And from there, the conversation moves a lot into what it is to uh, be drawn to write poetry, to be compelled to write poetry, and what it takes to write a poem. And also what it takes out of you when you are not writing. So the kind of, the feelings of, I guess, guilt and feeling like a fraud, the imposter syndrome that I've spoken about uh, on this podcast a few times before, and the question of must you write, do you have to write something? So we talk about all those questions and we also talk about them in contrast to something else I've talked about a few times here, that, uh, that model of the very generative poet, the poet who has 10 20 books out and writes a new book each year and so being a less generative poet um looking at that and thinking well do i belong am i even a poet and joel says so many other interesting things so much so that instead of editing this podcast i found myself just sitting and listening i didn't make a single cut here this is exactly what the conversation was Um, It just felt so natural, it felt like we instantly understood each other, it was really, really wonderful. I think one of the most important things we address in this conversation comes at the very end when we talk about how important it is to take care of yourself as a person, as a physical being, to create art that is worthwhile. Um, I think the myth of the damaged... Uh, crazy genius is still alive and well unfortunately Um, I think that we buy into that because it's frankly a lot easier to sit around smoking drinking being miserable um, than to do the incredibly boring work of eating well going to sleep on time exercising and building up your strength and stamina to the point where you can write without it taking everything out of you. Um, Yeah, I don't think that's a very sexy or interesting narrative. I think if I were trying to sell uh, one of those books that you see at the airport, like the life-changing magic of whatever it is, no one's going to buy a book called the life-changing magic of sleeping eating and exercising regularly (laughs) but that's what it is unfortunately that's that's what it is and I say this as someone who has not been doing those things for a while now and is definitely paying the price um yeah listening back to this chat I had with Joel in September was a good reminder that since September I have not been following my own advice at all and yeah I really really want to I really want to get back that sense of taking care of myself so I can actually write things that are worthwhile so yeah I wonder if it will inspire any of that in in my listeners and um yeah just can't wait to hear what you think of this chat I really hope you enjoy it A really beautiful circularity to having this conversation with you right now because it was i think a year and a week ago that i messaged you about year of the wasp yes yeah yeah um and yeah about this time last year my dad had a double knee replacement and i was with him in canberra um and it's a pretty standard operation in some ways. It's a like,
1: nasty operation. It's
0: full on, but it's also like it's not life-threatening or anything. Yeah. So it wasn't dramatic in that way. But it was, it was a really challenging experience for both of us um, for, in many, many ways. And one of the things that really got me through was I went down to Woden Plaza, the local mm. shopping mall, which just so happens to have a really good bookshop at the moment really? and a really good poetry section and... Year of the Wasp was in there, and I'd heard about it, I'd heard you talk about it on Maggie Ball's podcast, and I was like, oh, I finally found this book, and I went up to the counter and did the whole, like, I'm so glad you have this book, I've been looking for it everywhere, and the guy's like, whoa, okay, (laughs) crazy (laughs) poetry lady. (laughs) But yeah, really, really was so comforting to have that book while I was sitting in a, as I say, fairly, like, non-threatening hospital situation, but Hospital situation, all the same.
1: How's your dad? I mean, how old is your dad and how'd he go? Because he... it's operationally that can be really yeah. tough. Yeah,
0: well, he was 72 um, and he actually went pretty well. We did have to readmit him because he had a bleed like a week after he got out, mm. and that was pretty scary, but. Um, He's fine now. Like, he, he can walk. He moved to Queensland after that. And right. he started a whole new life with whole new knees.
1: <laughs> wow. So, that's,
0: yeah. That's great. It's a good... It's a happy ending. But, I don't know, hospital is... Um, even in the most routine of scenarios, it's a very... Uh, I feel like it brings up all kinds of stuff. Like, all these mm. feelings of powerlessness and... Um, being the subject of other people's concern and prodding and
1: yeah it's one of the things isn't it about modern society you think about how we have um we've outsourced so many aspects of our lives yeah including them including our illness and death yeah you know it used to be that you got injured you got sick it was dealt with in the house you had your had your children in the house Mm. you know your parents and your children and yourself you died in the house yeah, and it was you know, and there was the wake was in the house. So this is, it's all been, yeah, outsourced, mm. commodified, and um, so it's a re- it's really um, confronting when yeah. we're all of a sudden taken back to that because we live our you know we're sort of almost encouraged to live our lives like we're on this conveyor belt you know this like we're 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 there for eternity yeah you know, like we're a sitcom that never ends and it just you know, keeps going. <laughs> That's such a know. perfect
0: way to put it.
1: It just keeps yeah. going and you just keep keep buying shit and mm-hmm. thinking about shit and doing shit. Yeah. And that's life.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think that's why I found the whole experience so... Um, like that was the most challenging aspect of it was, you know, your parents are just fine and you feel like they're going to be fine forever and then even oh. in this most routine of ways, it's like, oh... They're not. They're not. You know, there's mortality
1: and there's all this ickiness and the seven. In the seventies, with your parents, uh, I mean, the uh, all of a sudden, that's for a lot of people. That's when they re- they become old. Mm. All of a sudden, you see that big change. And yeah. the, the thing was that because I'm forty nine now, when I had a I had a stroke when I was forty three, and the and at the time I was thinking, yeah, you know, forties. This time for men, in particular, the men. I was floating around with where things broke careers marriages health all that sort of stuff but for the 70s you know because my dad died 2017 um and he was 70 um 75 when he died and it was one of those things where I saw it coming but I was hoping to have another 5 years and in the end it was a bad death it was a really um really really bad death not what he would have wanted not what i wanted and um and then yeah, sort of and i'm still um i still don't know what to think of it mm. i'm still pro- I mean, processing I and mean,
0: these are bullshit words you know I mean, there's so <laughs> at many, a certain point it will be processed and then you'll never have to think about it again but you think
1: about the way that we look there are so many bullshit words we tell her yeah. that we use yeah. to sort yeah. of sort of push things away but mm. you know the truth is, to be crude, I don't know what the fuck to think about it. And at the moment, you know, so far as um, poetry goes, I'm trying not to write poetry. Mm-hmm. Because the stuff that I have written since he died, it's been about him and it's been stuff I don't want to write. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I'm yeah. so sorry you had to go
1: through that. I think it's life, isn't it? Yeah. It's It's really... Um, it's an extreme sport.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Very true.
1: Yeah, you know it's sort of. Um, yeah, it's a real. Yeah, it just sucks, mm. but um, but I'm glad your dad's got his uh, bionic nas and his. Yeah, yeah, he's no, all good.
0: He, he's loving it, but yeah, I think it's interesting what you say about trying not to write poems. Um, I wonder if part of that is because, even in writing a line, there's a certain uh, you have to kind of declare something. You have to like define things, and maybe this is not the time for definition.
1: Yeah, I think it's it's a really it's an it's a, it goes to that that question about why you're a poet. Mm-hmm. Why do you write shit? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, I'm. I'm sp- <laughs> I'm not speaking... I'm not using the best poetic language. No, either, this is great. Why do you talk... <laughs> this is what I want. <laughs> and um, the truth is, the last two collections that I've written, um, both The Year of the Wasp and the one before Magisterium, mm. were were collections written out of trauma. And um, when I wrote... Mag- after I wrote Magisterium, so it was 2008, I pretty much um, said to my publisher, you know, that's it. I'm never writing another collection of poetry. Again, I'm fucking done. You know, because it was... It it um, it takes a lot of juice for me to write a poem, you know. Like how many how, how many oranges does it take to make a le- take to make a liter of a liter of poetry? It, it takes a lot. It takes you know for me it seems to sometimes take a track. Mm. and um, and it's just that one that that collection hurt a great deal, and um, and year of the wasp then came along, and it hurt more. So you know there's. Um, I only write when I feel, when I don't have a choice. Mm. That's, I guess that's the thing. Mm. Um, when I feel I don't have a choice. Uh, and the, the truth is, is that I know I don't have a choice and there's a whole, there's another collection coming and um, I'm going to push it off for as long as I
0: can. Mm. It sounds a bit like, uh, like pregnancy or something. <laughs> <laughs>
1: like, yeah, this baby yeah. is growing. <laughs> well, that's, you know, pregnant, yeah, that's a good way to put it. And that's, um, you know, and that's where some because this is the thing where I look at other poets and I get jealous of them and I'm like, "Fuck, how does he or she crank out another collection of beautiful poetry? and why am I such a miserable prick and they're not? you know, it's you know you're reading other people's poet and it's But I think that and same with you know, you know having having a family, having a kid that's a for some people that's a really it's it seems to be a lot easier mm. than, than for others. Mm. Mm. You know, this is the one of the. This is part of the fascination with being alive, is that it's just so surprising, and the circumstances you find them yourself in constantly teaches you aspects both good and bad about yourself mm. as a as a as a person, let alone as a writer. Yeah. You know, and it's one of those things where unless I'm writing, I feel like a fraud. You know, unless I'm actually have produced a poem today
0: to call myself a, a poet is just a complete wank i totally i could not agree yeah. with that more strongly yeah. and yeah. i yeah i hate it because like at the moment in particular i feel like there are more people that know me as a poet than because that's kind of the primary thing i suppose yeah. that i'm doing weirdly like i'm not like an office worker like i used to be i don't have that like shield like oh i'm a communication specialist yeah yeah um, yeah
1: we've all again these yeah. beautiful little terms it <laughs> doesn't
0: mean it's anything like, at all it's like but i'm yeah. let me process that you yeah, know I like this yeah. but yeah i don't like it because people will say oh this is now she's a poet and i'm like well not today no not today. like a month
1: today i'm <laughs> picking up dog shit at the over with my dog mm-hmm. or what you know but this is yeah, yeah. it's a real yeah. it's an it's a Yeah, it feels like, I mean, uh, I mean, every so often I get asked to give, you know, talk to people, you know, lectures or whatever. And usually it's about writing in general, not necessarily about poetry. And I always feel like I'm standing in front of a room full of people like, you know, every time I start writing anything, I've got no clue. Mm. Um, If I had a clue, I wouldn't be writing. And um, yeah, I think I'm right. I'm driven to writing by my ignorance and my obsessions and
0: kind mm-hmm. of sh- writing as discovery
1: yeah yeah it's actually been a you know it's a um yeah you know, it's one of those it's it's been a a, a constant conversation running conversation you met my wife Kirsten out there and um you know Kirsten's she's one of my greatest critics and you know in that she holds my feet to the fire and one of the um yeah, it's that whole thing about, you know. I've often, you know, I've said one of the contents I've said to her is, you know, I must write, I must write. And she's said to me, well, that's a bullshit thing to say, you know, must you write? Mm-hmm. And I think that, I, you know, I, at the moment I'm trying to figure it out.
0: Mm.
1: And I think, I know, uh, between, I'm between, particularly between poetry cycles, because they come in cycles for me, it's just, it's like, it's like, you know, 40 days in the desert, eh? <laughs> you know. I, <laughs> I don't know, and it's a bit. Um, it's funny. I mean, one of your other podcasts you had um, Elisa Gordon, who's you know I was um you know she's very smart and very she's able to think and speak in complete sentences in ways that I cannot.
0: Yeah, I was and, um, uh, really she, barely keeping up. Yeah, she's great. She's wonderful <laughs> and yeah, and
1: brilliant and all the rest. Yeah, yeah. And I remember you know. Bumping into Lisa at a – look, I don't go to literary stuff, not, stuff much because I'm usually driving kids to, you know, soccer practice or shit like that. But um, I was at some Christmas party at the Australian Book Review. I saw Lisa there and I was, and I was basically whinging, you know, and I was sort of saying, you know, I don't fit in here. I don't fit in, I don't fit in with poets. I don't fit in anywhere. And Like, I just don't feel like I belong. And she pretty much just gave me a laser eye and she said – we're poets. We don't belong anywhere. What are you talking? Yeah. About? Basically, just told me to suck it up. You know, stop being a princess. Wow. Yeah, she's yeah a bit of she's she's good though. Yeah. yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. What an incredible thing to say. It's So true. Um, I'm kind of fascinated by what you were saying earlier about the process of writing being painful and involving hurt. Yeah. Because it sort of sounds like what you're saying as well. That is that there's um there's the forty days in the desert of, of waiting between the cycles, and then the cycle begins, and that's also mm. its, its own kind of pain. Um, can you articulate what that's what it's like when you're actually writing? Like, what is it about it that's like? Is there a catharsis as well as a painfulness? Or? Um.
1: Well, it, it's usually it's um. Where the last two collections, it's been about um trying to understand um, various traumas that I've been through mm. and trying to make it uh, in a way that's not just um, about me in a way that sort of perhaps is um, and, and into trying to be like I never want to I never want people to necessarily like me or even like what I write I'm trying to be as unflinching as I can be about and and um, be as hard as I can be, um, and so I think that just the process of going through it and being trying to be really find the right way to express exactly the feeling or the and and it's and it's emotional. I think that um, my poetry in particular, it's um, it's it's always yeah. You know, there's a lot of emotion there, at least at my at my end, and so I'm trying to sort of. You know, put that in some sort of form that um will um sort of uh, almost like a you know a little hand grenade go into someone's head. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> and, it's, and it's but it's it's a it's a very, um, I'm not expressing this very well, but it's a it's a it's um quite laborious and time and takes me a long time to get things right, mm. and um and it's traumatic. Mm. That's the. I mean, that's the only way I can put it. Is I find, um, that mm-hmm. I find I need to write those sorts of poems, and when they come out, um, I feel better. And then I do a poetry reading, and quite often I do it. I relive it, and so uh, poetry readings themselves are, can be traumatic, for me. And I, feel, <laughs> I, quite often feel like I have to apologize, for doing a poetry reading, because, yeah, it's a. Very, it's a. Everybody's different with their poetry and where that comes from, and um. You know, I'd like to get to a place where I'm writing poetry that's um, a little bit lighter,
0: mm. you
1: know?
0: Yeah, like I'm thinking about all that in, in the context of what you said around jealousy of poets who churn out collections of, of beautiful stuff regularly. Um, I think a lot about that too and, and whether there's benefit to that and like what that's like. For them as as writers yeah um i sort of wonder about not necessarily the like not whether it's it's real or as valuable but sometimes i just feel that the ability to kind of write that quickly that much and and that well Hmm. um is a little bit maybe there's like a coldness yeah
1: it's it's it's, yeah I, i don't know it's one of those things where You know, um, we're all, I mean, everyone's different, and some people just do things, we all do things our own ways and differently, and it comes from different places. And we can only, I mean, I can only be myself, and they can only be themselves. And and, um, the truth is, um, yeah, I don't want to be other people. Yeah. You know, I'm trying to, I'm trying to do, I'm trying to be, I'm trying to not, I'm trying not to be... I'm trying to be brave. I'm not be brave. I'm trying not to be a coward. Mm. (laughs) That's all. (laughs) (laughs) To put it that way. Yeah. That's all.
0: Yeah, I think there's... I think there's courage in not just writing everything and in holding back. Um, Yeah, I I am suspicious, I guess, of uh, certain authors who just have, like, 20 books and it just keeps... happening and it's especially when it's all pretty much the same um and that sounds like it comes from a place of jealousy and look it probably does to a certain extent but uh yeah but there was a time when i was like actively like that's what i need to do and you know person x is like 10 books in and i I don't have any book and now i'm like yeah actually maybe maybe we don't need another book like maybe that's the last thing we need
1: (laughs) well it's one of those things where um it's one of those conversations that I've been having, you know, with myself and with, my, with Kirsten about, yeah, what, why do I write and what am I doing? And, you yeah. know, and it's one of the things that, like I mentioned, you know, I had the stroke. What's it now? It's now, you know, 2012, so it's six years ago. Yeah. And one of the things that I thought about afterwards was, well, you know, everything, you know, I'm, I shouldn't be writing a book unless I'm happy for it to be my last book. You know, it's got to be that important. Which is, you know, stupid in so many ways because you then pile all this pressure and no pressure at all. This book's got to be, you know.
0: The last word. Yeah. Yeah, there yeah. was a lot of pressure. <laughs> you know,
1: so which is, you know, which is in a nutshell, pretty much, um, yeah, in, pretty much in a nutshell, you know, sort of uh, demonstrates how much of a fuckwit I can be. <laughs> Actually, that doesn't demonstrate all the ways in which I can be a fuckwit, but it's one, one of the ways. <laughs> one of the myriad. It's sort of like think of it like you know those disco balls, you know, like oh, shine right, a light. It's like one square. Yeah, <laughs> that's my fuckwitness. You know, that's one little sort of <laughs> one little mirror on that mirror ball that you just struck. You know. Yeah. That's it's yeah. So I'm trying to I'm, look. I'm trying to figure out. Like at the moment, um, I'm trying to get a novel going. Because like I wrote a non a non fiction book after I had the stroke, written written collection of poetry after the stroke, and there is a part of me that wants to be. Sure, I want to find out whether I can write a decent novel again. I haven't haven't written a novel since the stroke, and because um, I, you know, the thing is is that um, I'm different since then. A lot, mm-hmm. you know, the uh, it's had a, a huge impact on the way I, on yeah, on my health and. And I've had to write. I have to write differently. I can't actually um, go the same way I did. So, you know, and there's, and, you know, but the other part of you is like, why do you have to do that? It should be something that the other thing I'm telling myself is, well, that's not enough of a reason. You know, the exercise of it. Mm. It's like, you know.
0: Yeah. It's
1: like, do you need to run around the block to prove that you can run? You know, there needs to be a reason me to, to write. Cause like, obviously I'm a professional like I, I'm a freelance writer. I make, you know, make my money writing crap, you know, and then I, and I, mm-hmm. yeah, and that's, and so, you know, I'm always writing. Mm-hmm. And that the purpose for that is, well, you know, to, you know, feed my kids and do all that sort of suburban crap that everybody else has to do. Um, but so far as writing, you know, the art, yeah, you know, which is, yeah, you that know, which is that yeah you know, that higher, that higher purpose that we that we're meant to have. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't have the the thing that's changed. is I don't necessarily feel I have to have a certain number of books. Right. And what I'm trying to figure out is what are the books that I'm meant to write, mm. with whatever time I've got left, yeah. and. You know, it's that whole thing. One of my oldest friends, you know, when he was 40, he had bowel cancer and nearly died. And then I had a stroke and I nearly died. And, you know, and sort of, and, you know, we, you know, he, we grew, when we were four. And none, neither of us are expecting a gold watch. You know what I mean? We're not, I'm not, Yeah, I'm, so I'm not expecting, um, you yeah, know, I'll probably live to 90 now, but I'm not expecting to <laughs> necessarily be, you know, um, like my mum's, you know, walking somewhere in Europe right now and she's 70 i i'm not expect necessarily expecting to be in that situation that in that you know position but that doesn't mean that you should then be a maniac that sort of means that well what are you this is the whole thing about the, the life we live and you know being an artist is not licensed to be an absolute asshole you know yeah it takes no artistic talent to be an, to be a bad parent you know, it's not, I don't, you know, I've, you know I've, there, there are people that I have obligations to, and it's sort of, and I've, and to live a, to live a good life, and obviously I've, I've worked in politics, I'm very political, I'm involved in disability stuff, and, you know, so there's things that, that I care about, and to stop caring about those, to be just selfish about just my art, it actually, for me, it hollows out the art, mm. and it makes it worthless, Um, because everything's connected yeah you know everything's political Mm. everything's art everything everything matters
0: Mm. yeah it really sounds like you want a very strong reason to create something and it's not just uh because you can or because it's a beautiful thing to do um yeah you want
1: you want there to be a reason a bigger reason than that yeah i think it's. i mean think about everything we do you know sort of like there has to be a reason for it like what's the purpose of you know why are we here and what i'm like i'm always you know it all like if everything matters then um yeah look i've got a friend who's a builder yeah i can yeah, you know, so he spent all of his working life, and he's really good at. it. He's a carpenter, and he can make shit and every stuff. And he makes stuff that just surprises him. and and the way that I think of that is these moments of grace. You know, where you're able to produce something using these, you know, these skills that you've that you've sort of um, to sound like Liam Neeson in that movie, and like a certain set of skills. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but you know, these skills that you've got that you sort of. Have honed, mm. and then every so often something comes out that surprises you, and you're like, Well, where the fuck did that come from? Right? Yeah. You know, how and you think, and I always thought of those as moments of grace with poetry, mm. like in, a, in particularly poetry, but also in fiction, it's happened where I'm like, Yeah, there's just this hand at the back, and I feel like I'm taken along. and I, and I look back and I'm like, oh, shit. that was really surprising. Mm. And, um, but I've you know, I've, I've, as I've gotten older, I've realized that there's that it's like that in, for people in a lot of parts of their lives. Mm. It's not just poetry or, you know, my brothers are musicians, not just music or whatever. You know, it doesn't have to, it's not just things that we deem art. Mm. You know, it could be some people I'm sure get it running around the block. You
0: know. Yeah. Do you have a theory as to what that is, what that hand on the back is? Um.
1: I've thought I'm not sure I think I don't think it's God (laughs) you know I think you know maybe it's when we stop thinking about ourselves it's Mm. maybe it's when we stop um, when we let go of that that egotistical part Um, and you let something else flow through Mm. you know it's um, you know I've always you know the thing is that there's a there's a time when you especially with a poem but also with a novel where you know where the roles reverse, where you're no longer writing it, but it's writing you, you know, where you know the its hooks are into you, and um and that's when it's thrilling. Yeah, it really. And that's is. and that's so it's something about that. It's just that, and it's it's there's something wonderful about making stuff. Whatever, it, even if you know, you are in a in my kids' playroom, you know, it's boxes of Lego around here on the wall, you know, they, that's making stuff, mm. you know? That mm. can be thrilling too. I love making Lego. Yeah,
0: Lego's the best.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I hate it when my kids mess it up though. No, that's,
0: that's terrible. But yeah, I... It is interesting how... I mean, it's basically... Everyone talks in those terms of there are moments when you feel like it's writing you. Mm. Um, yeah. Uh, it reminds me of um i did a an episode on jack spicer a while ago and he his theory is that that's the only poetry that counts and everything else is just an exercise <laughs> but i think that's also not very helpful because that means you just spend your whole time waiting for like maybe the five or six poems that that feel like they've come from somewhere else yeah and i can't i don't want to wait for that
1: no i think that yeah. it's one of those things where I get where he's coming from and um and I think I mean I throw out a lot of stuff I you know I, I do write a lot of poetry that I delete
0: you actually um, delete it it's gone yeah, it's gone right wow
1: it's um yeah no it's just I just know when it's an exercise mm-hmm. um but and there are and the ones that I keep are usually ones that I feel there's an aspect of you know there's some skin in it mm-hmm. um and then there are ones that are, you know, in, the, you know, in, the, in the, my books where I think, no, that's where they feel like a watershed to me if to nobody else. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, yeah, I, and when I, because I was chatting with my 15-year-old in the car, he's a, he plays guitar, and he was, and he, we were talking about, because, you know, he's starting to think about, I don't know, life outside of high school. Um, and I was saying, well, he asked me, well, what were your ambitions when you finished high school? I said, my ambition was to write six great poems.
0: Mm-hmm. That was
1: my life ambition. And that would still be my life ambition. Mm-hmm. Um, why six? Cause I thought that was about, that was asking as much as I could. Yeah, right. The, it was, a, it was a nice round number. Yeah. And I thought, well, that more than that, it'd be greedy and to be asked, you know, it's asking too much of the poetry gods. Mm-hmm. Bigger, and I think that, um, and it's one of those things where, well, that raises all sorts of questions according to who.
0: Yeah, what's a what's a great poem? Like, what's yeah. a poem that that you would put in that category?
1: I don't know. This is the thing. I mean, there's probably there's a couple that um, are important to me, mm-hmm. but that doesn't mean that they're great poems. That just means that they're important to me. But I may have some emotion, deep emotional attachment to that, but it might be a piece of shit. Right? <laughs> you know that sort of. This might be therapy rather than poetry. Mm, you know, right. so I don't. I mean, I don't think. No, I mean, there are poems that I that I suspect are, that I feel are my best works, and I'm. A, I think I'm a reasonable judge of my own work. But I don't. I I think that ultimately the choice. Whether or not your shit's read by anybody or no gives a rat's ass about it, it's not up to you. You know, not and at we all. Can, no, and we not can you all. think about all the you know all the anxiety that goes into this stuff and it's like who cares, mm. really.
0: Are there poems by other poets that you would put in the great poem category? Any that spring to mind?
1: Oh pretty much anything in Ariel, you know. Right. You know, um, yeah, um, a lot of Frost, um, a, lot, a lot of Dickinson, Emily Dickinson, mm-hmm. um, sort of uh, Australian poets. This I'm terrible at this stuff.
0: Yeah, this I'm is like ter- so asking somebody really... like, "What's your
1: favorite?" Movie? I, yeah, yeah, then afterwards <laughs> you're like, "Oh no!" <laughs> Sorry, i really really but, um, put you on this spot. I then. think no, no, it's, it's no. I think that. Um, yeah, there 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 are, but I'd have to sort of go with my poetry I call it library, but my wall of poetry books that's, mm-hmm. and pull down the avalanche of books and go through. But yeah, I yeah, I love I mean, I read a lot. I mean we all read a lot of shit. And um yeah, I read a lot of non fiction for my work. Um I read a lot of fiction but I quite often don't read the not finish the novels 'cause quite often I see stuff that just pisses me off so much like it jars me out of it i read poetry is the stuff that i read the most right, poetry okay. is the stuff that draws me back and because you think about you know was it i mean one of my favorite william carlos williams quotes you know sort of like the poem is a as a small machine made of words this to paraphrase and and he's right, and the thing, and so too is any other anything that we write. Mm-hmm. If you're writing a novel, the margin for error in that machine is huge.
0: Yeah, very true. Yeah. but If you're
1: writing a poem, yeah. Well, man, you know a comma, that can that, that you know the margin of error is so small, so slight. So, the perfection mm. of, that's required, you know, it's one of the things that makes them so precious mm. when they're you know and they're and beautiful. And so, I'm drawn to that. I think that they're the hardest things to for me, they're the hardest things to write. Mm. Um, and when I get them right or when I get them as good as I can get them, um, it's just thrilling. It's yeah, the the thrill compares to writing a novel.
0: Mm. Yeah. it's tantalizing because it seems so much more possible when you're working with 14 lines to get it right. It's like, there is an answer here. I just need to figure out how to get to it. Um, yeah, yeah, I think I've been thinking about that a lot. Um, working on this sonnet at the moment and just thinking sonnets are hard, yeah, it's really hard. And also, sonnets it's like, are really hard, well, it's it's not even like it's just a 14 line poem, it's not even <laughs> rhyming or anything. But it's also like I worried that like it was perfect six drafts ago, <laughs> yeah, no, <I'm laughs> and not. I've moved past the, that now. And now I'm just like, you
1: know, yeah, you feel like, um, you know probably shouldn't have put that woolen top in on the hot wash yeah it's sort of
0: yeah exactly yeah but yeah it's it's tantalizing to think like okay if i just get all the commas and all the full stops Mm. and everything right it's tough perfect machine yeah i feel like there's something in this conversation about like permission um like Earlier this year, I went on a little retreat. I mm. uh, got to go on a, a writing retreat.
1: In... Yeah, you did a thing on it. I did. Yeah.
0: Oh, yes, I did. I, t- I, no, I listened to yeah, yeah, it was great. And while I was there, I sort of wrote a letter to myself about um, kind of exactly what you're talking about around like why why do you need to do this and why. Um, why is it so important? And kind mm. of where I landed with that was... Just write for the sake of writing. Um, don't write for a submission. Don't write for a competition. Yeah. Don't write because it's the next poem in the manuscript or whatever. Um, just write because you love writing. And I think I kind of ended up there because I was reading Maggie Nelson's The Argonauts, which I really didn't enjoy, but there was something in that book mm-hmm. around just making work for the sake of making it yeah um and since then i've written a lot more than i had up until that point like yeah kind of like a silly amount of stuff uh, for me anyway yeah well that's which is great like a lot of it's not usable don't get me wrong (laughs) majority of it's not usable but yeah i think i just kind of gave myself permission to just write crap i suppose but it is painful to look at it it's bad to.
1: how does it feel having written that stuff What's the pro? I mean, what's that process doing to you?
0: Um, it feels lots of things. It feels disappointing because you see the result of actually sitting down and putting Mm -hmm. it on paper and you see Mm -hmm. the beautiful shining idea turn into the pile of words that don't work and, and realize that that, that you can't pursue that. It's freeing because then you move past that idea and you're like, well, I thought I had a poem here, but I don't. You can move on to the next one. So you're one bad poem closer to a good poem. Yeah, I I think that's true. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But um, there is a certain satisfaction in just having written anything. But I, I give myself the hardest time when I haven't written anything, but it sounds like you're the opposite. You're happy, actually happier not to be writing in some ways. Yeah, it's putting
1: it too N- simplistically. Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, that's me. Um, no, the truth is, is that when I, and yeah, truth is that when I'm not writing, I'm a miserable prick. That's the truth. Mm-hmm. Um, it's one of these things that I mean. I decided I was uh, I was going to be a poet when I was sixteen, and started writing. You know, I was in Year Twelve at the time. I was top. Stopped handing in essays and everything just started doing poetry mm-hmm. and that was it and it's been the same and i was a very and so i was you know very serious about it and, and i still and i still am and i it's it's a, even if i'm not writing i'm writing i think would be the prob- probably the truth yeah and right. i think that's the yeah. because it's always there and you know even if i'm watching shit on Netflix. There's a part of me just getting agitated. Yeah. Like, you're not watching another episode of crap, are you? watching? <laughs> not you? you know, that sort of and at the moment, like, I'm not reading well at the moment. Like I feel like I'm not really um Yeah, I sort of I'm not there's something wrong. And I'm not yeah, you know, and so I'm not Yeah, I'm just I'm not able to find out what's wrong yet. And mm-hmm. so I'm trying to get I'm trying to going through a whole bunch of my Processes I go through to try to get things right so I feel like I can read properly. Mm. And when I feel... And when I'm reading properly, then I'll start thinking properly and then I'll start writing properly and hopefully at the end of that poetry will come. Yeah. But, yeah, it's... I think the truth is, is that yeah, I've geared my life... Everything's been geared towards trying to produce poetry and fiction. Um, and it's, you know... and You know, <laughs> you know these are... You know, this is a, you know this is something my wife has pointed out to me is that even when, and that my how much I speak shit about this stuff you know I lie you know, we lie to or
0: at least I lie to myself you know I, I'm happier when I'm not no
1: I'm not mm.
0: this, I think it's so 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 useful to hear writers talk about this kind of stuff it doesn't happen often enough on this podcast but I I swear that every single interview I do there's a current of this like permission guilt (laughs) self-flagellation just feeling just feeling bad about our work basically it's just like everybody has it and whether they say it when I'm talking to them or afterwards when I'm packing up my Mm. microphone is uh is the thing but yeah it's just great to have somebody be so honest about it because i think everybody has this nobody ever feels like i'm doing so well i'm writing Um, exactly as much as i want (laughs) and it's all coming out great
1: oh that's good i feel like i'm the only dipshit on the block sometimes doing bad.
0: yeah it's just like i strongly disagree um you said that you you're going through processes to Mm -hmm. set things up What what are they like things like like eating well, sleeping well, exercising
1: that kind of thing. Well, it's, yeah, it's funny because um, I've always felt running's really physical. At least it is for me, and that the the way I used to work, like I, you know, I started supporting my, you know, started um, working full time. I was seventeen. And I sort of supported myself in been working, you know, since I was seventeen, and so and full time all the time. And so the way that I used to write was I. would do my job. I was working as a journalist and various. Now to get home and I'd write all night, and so I did that for a long time, and then and pushed it, and and would enjoy redlining it. And then I broke. I had a stroke, mm. and so I'm trying to. Um, and so therefore, um, it's a little bit like the way that I have explained. It, it's a little bit like I don't follow AFL football, but you know, if I'm a bit like footballers, you know, they do their knee mm. and they have the knee reconstruction. Or your dad with his name, Yeah, right? yeah. And I can run as fast as possible as they ever could run in a straight line. But give them to go sideways a little bit. That's when problems start. And it's the same with me. I can run, you know, put me in a, in a straight run race. I'll run really fast still. I can get there. But the, um, the sideways movements that's required to get through a day um, are being, you know, Earning a living, being a parent, trying to be a decent partner—all this sort of stuff—the the shit of life i am um, I'm no not—I'm—I'm I'm really bad at. It. I was bad at it before. I'm terrible at it now. Mm. So, and I've had to try to sort of, yeah, I've developed a whole bunch of processes to get try and get myself um, fit to foot to so that my my. Uh, my brain is sharp enough to produce, mm-hmm. and so one of the things, yeah, I have to all of a sudden, you know, I go to the like I was never an exercise person, like I, you know, I went for a run this morning, to like it's like watching a draft horse, right? Like I'm a bad runner, mm-hmm. but like so here you have this stupid old bloke running around the oval with these you know stupid fat dog, you know that's me, right? <laughs> but and as i du- incredibly cute for the record. <laughs> yeah, she's yeah. <laughs> Berkeley's very cute and she's very fat. But you know, it's it's actually she makes me look good, the fat dog. But anyway, but as I'm running <laughs> but you know, every so often I you know, have those out of body experiences and I just see myself running around this oval just thinking, God, you know, the things we do. You know, mm-hmm. and so I'm doing that because it helps my brain work properly. You know, I eat differently because it helps me helps my brain work properly. I'm not sleeping very well at the moment. I've um one of the things that I've done, that I started to do after the stroke, was I used to play tournament chess as a kid. So I started playing a lot of online chess. Mm. Great, that helped me sharpen my brain. It has since become an addiction.
0: Right, so you're up at night, yeah.
1: You know, I was up late last night because my wife was coming back from interstate and wanted to be up when she came home. But the previous couple of nights when she'd been away, three nights, she'd been away four nights actually, you know, I was playing computer. Like, of all the... Stu- like, this is... Like how stupid is this shit, right? I'm playing computer chess. I should have been reading or sleeping. It's mm-hmm. like my process.
0: Like so, I'm really, I'm out of whack. So yeah, you basically uh, described my last week to a T, except I wasn't playing chess. I was doing other stupid bullshit. But yeah, and, and I, I played chess
1: around. badly too. <laughs> this is the thing that really annoys me. But yeah. you were doing it the last week. It was yeah, just
0: time? um, same same stuff, right? Like just like this morning, I got up and went for a very slow run and ate well because I thought I want to be sharp for this conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think this is, again, it's so valuable because this is the stuff that poets almost never talk about is like how do you take care of your body because it is a physical thing mm. um, and how do you deal with, like you say, the shit of life, being yeah. a partner, de- going dealing with going to Woolies, um, making sure the dog is walked, all that stuff takes... Time, even if you have the luxury, like we do, of having uh, freelance work and setting your own schedule. Yeah, we don't have to make the trek into an office. But even still, it's like, yeah, I used to spend a lot of time reading those articles about like the daily routines of writers and feeling really <laughs> jealous of that. But I swear, if we had the realistic account, it would be like,
1: yeah, that's all
0: lies. It's all They're lies. Lying. <laughs> Sex.
1: <laughs> lying sex is shit. Really, All right. sorry. I, I mean, again, I'm swearing too much, which shows you my vocabulary is just really bad because I'm. It's fine. But yeah. yeah. Lying sex is shit.
0: Yeah, it's like I'm sure C.S. Lewis got up and went for a walk after lunch, maybe one day out of eight. Yeah. But yeah.
1: Screw tape letters my ass. <laughs> my-
0: <laughs> yeah. They they also would have had periods when they were staying up too late, drinking too much
1: yeah uh, hang I drank too people. much last
0: week. I definitely drank,
1: and that was and the th- that's the other thing is like it's getting old also since the stroke. If I have like a if I have two beers, I'm screwed the next day. Mm. and that's just pathetic, you know, really um so yeah like last night I was like, no just had a cup of tea, you know, so it was so I'm sharper today, mm. but I need about a month of that at the moment, yeah um you know, to get in any shape to start producing. You know, my steak knife is a butter knife. <laughs> put it, let's put it that way. <laughs> I love that.
0: Oh god, yeah. Well, yeah, I haven't, I haven't uh, dealt with a stroke or uh, actually touched wood any kind of like serious physical challenge like that. But um, I'm the same. I just yeah, I've got to be so careful and like yeah. almost like none like in my routine to really. Yeah, I just think it's a complete myth—the idea that that writers would be these people who could live the kinds of lives that you see in films, you know, with yeah. drinking and and generally being catastrophes and actually produce anything worthwhile. Yeah, well, I've had, you know, I've had a
1: couple of bad years where I you know, misbehaved, and I can guarantee you, I wrote shit, absolute. And it's it's my older brother; um, he's a musician um you know so he you know, always you know, works in studios and he told me a story about this you know that this group he went away with pretty hard you know charging group of blokes in their 40s who should have known better and they went away for the weekend to cut this album at some sort of country retreat and they just you know they just behaved like they were in the rolling stones and and i uh, you know somehow they got a record out of it but he said that it was despite the fact that they were so completely bombed out of their brains, you yeah. know it all came together at the last minute, only just and mm. and he was just you know he he was just he was really um saying it was just it was anything but the artist the the art came really second, yeah, and he was and that was he was
0: yeah pissed off, yeah, it's kinda of like what how, what could it have been if, yeah, yeah, if they did this shit together, yeah, yeah, that's right, but it is boring. Being so good. Oh, yeah. God, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's very
1: boring. Well, that's yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah it's sort of. Yeah, it's it's hardly um, hardly makes. I mean, but yeah, being a writer, it's a bit. It's it's not the most exciting thing to look at. I, I know that yeah, you because know, again, you know, sorry, I keep mentioning my kids, but yeah, you know, my fifteen-year-old, like, who's in the music now. Remember, I like teasing my children. I'm a you know bad parent, and you know. Yeah, you know, a few years ago, he was sort of saying, he was, was talking sort of about, I said, hey, what do you want to do when you grow up? And I sort of said, he said, oh, I don't know, you know, not, you know, and now I said, you know, maybe you could be a writer, you know, because I was just going to, and he just looked at me with utter contempt. Mm. <laughs> it's like, well, I just want to sit around all day. Ah, like, you know, so.
0: That is what it looks like, though. And it doesn't,
1: yeah, it's not the most exciting thing. Dancing yeah. on the inside, though. That's
0: right, absolutely. Totally. Yeah. Uh, I haven't led you to any of these books that you brought in. Were there any poems out of here that you wanted to talk about, or no, no. Any of your own work that you would like to read to finish off?
1: No, probably. No, is there anything you'd like? <laughs> well, I
0: um, if I can, well, I'm conscious of what you said about reading and how it's it's not the most fun thing to do. Um, but if you did, if there is something out of here of the WASP that you'd be happy to read, I would love. To finish um, off i'll read
1: that. anything you like anything you'd like
0: okay well in that case i've
1: actually done a lot of readings of it now which has helped so oh, great I'm not such a yeah sook about
0: it <laughs> <laughs> you suck total um, sook. yeah such a funny word uh yeah i read this um the first, I think it would be yeah. The first after the end of page five, you don't have to read all that. But um, at mm. a little poetry circle that I go to sometimes, and it just, I just think it's incredible. So if you wouldn't mind, love to,
1: love to. Great. It's the opening. Um. So this is you know, Year of the Wasp, and none of these poems have got titles, and I've got no good reason for that, other than they just oh, didn't seem like they. They just didn't seem to make sense with titles, so. Consequently, none of them have titles and they're pretty hard to find and explain to people, but I'll read, I'll read the actually the first... Yeah, probably the first... Uh, I'll read the first three or four pages or so. That's okay. Great. South of ship, the Rene punched a hole the shape of the first man in a storm of locusts, confirming the irrigation flats as God's chosen wasteland at the base hospital the old man was sleeping hooked up like a cow in the shed for milking the son domed the cap of his father's freckled skull with the cup of the palm of his hand watched him breathe like a toothless babe the air conditioning was far too cold It was foolish to hope. He prayed for rain, but the heavens let fall Tithonus instead, whose every atom was transfigured into a wasp, and every wasp was born in fury, and showered down, and stung, and did not slake the thirst. Made unbelievers believe, lured the fervent into car parks seeking rapture, where the wasps and not the Lord were waiting. And the supplicant, whose waking prayer invited wrath, did not run, did not dare. Neither fervent nor fallen, he knew better than to quit kneeling in his suburban driveway, knew safety to be mythology, a place sustained by misplaced belief, stayed put instead, eyes closed, like a child counting down from ten to one before it is time to seek. Paramedics arrive. Give him a shot of stematol as he thinks of holding a match burning down to the pinch. Of a summer sun setting behind a line of Norfolk pines. Of the resonance of cicadas in January. Of men loading fishing boats onto weeping trailers. He murmurs as they cart him from the house. Love is like the pilot of a TV series never made not enough his slurs I have to spew and the ambo goes use the bag champ and the nurse goes do you know where you are and he goes in an ambulance although he isn't not anymore and so the interrogations begin as stalactites of blood coagulate sharpen into stakes above bed Eight. The giant toad squatting dead centre of the room is not a figment but a fact. He lies on its white tongue as a black swan of a woman wheels above him. Feathers tickle skin that covers the too small skull that is his face. Remind him of cool of a funeral in his brain of nothing. Smiling, she says, so you want Miles Davis, shows a set of small white baby teeth that were never lost. Slides the tongue back inside the gullet where he lies, picturing her eating meat, rare at Vlados. Her voice is piped through his headphones. She says, remain perfectly still, though nothing ever is, then something blue begins and he thinks almost nothing. How's that?
0: Thank you. Thanks so much. Ah, thank you. That's great. My name me. So she.